Welcome to Passion Life Church. We start a brand new series entitled Go. And today in part nine, in part one, I want to talk about the grace to grow. Everybody say grace to grow. You know, the beauty of the God that we serve is that he is always, always has something better for us. You know, what I have found, I don't know if you found this, but we never reach a destination or retrieve a goal without God challenging us to go further. And why is that? Because it's always God's will that you grow. Everybody say grow. You know, when I was thinking about this series, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of things. I am going to give you a little warning label for this series. I am not going to hold back on this series. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not holding back because I want to see you grow. I want to see you be different. I want to see you become the person that God wants you to be. Can I hear a good amen today? But when I was thinking about all about growing, I was thinking about all these different scriptures that the Bible talks about, about growth. Psalms 84, seven says, when the blessing of the Lord comes on your life, you go from strength to strength. That's growth. The Holy Spirit talked to Isaiah and through him, Isaiah 54, two, he said, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch. Everybody say stretch, stretch your tent, your curtains wide. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Listen to what he says. Do not hold back. You cannot grow and hold back at the same time. It is impossible to grow and hold back at the same time. Jesus said to a man who had a withered hand in Matthew 12, 13, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the Bible says when he stretched out his hand, he was completely restored just like the other one. And so the miracle happened when? When he stretched it out. When did it happen? When he decided to grow. If you are familiar with the prayer of Jabez. Jabez prayed in 1 Chronicles 4.10. He said, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Everybody say that with me. Say, Lord, enlarge my territory. Come on, say it one more time. Say, Lord, enlarge my territory. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 92, verse 12, he says, the righteous will flourish. How many of you know flourishing? That's growth. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. I want you to notice here today, he says those that are planted in the house of God flourish. He does not say those that just attend a service every once in a while. He says those that are planted in the house of God will flourish. And I love this one. They will still bear fruit. How many of you know when you are bearing fruit, you are growing and they will stay fresh and green even in their old age. People who are growing are fresh and they are staying green. That means they recycle. No, I'm kidding. That is another meaning there. But God's will is for someone, for us to grow. Someone who is flourishing, someone is bearing fruit, is growing. I was thinking about how God told the children of Israel when he called them out of Egypt. He said this, he says, I am calling you to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. It is not stagnant. It is not dead. Something that is flowing is growing. And so there is grace for every single person to grow. It doesn't matter where you are are today. You know, the reality is, is that we 
we all start somewhere. We all start somewhere. And you may know, you may have this sense that you are just not where you need to be. The good news of the gospel is, is there's grace to grow. Can I hear a good amen today? And, you know, we are still believing as a church that this year is going to be an incredible year of growth. Listen, my church family, this year is not over yet. We are heading into August, September, but before you know it, Christmas will be here. But I want to tell you something. This year is not over. And what God wants to do in you, he is not through with you yet. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? He is not through with you yet. And we're believing that this is going to be the best year yet for you personally and in our church. As the Lord leads us, we want to be growing. But here's the question. How many of you want to be a part of a growing church. Let me see your hand. You want to be a part of a growing church. Well, here's the question I have to ask you. Then are you growing? Then are you growing? See, because what we do sometimes, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more, is we want, I want to be a part of the church, but the church is made up of people. And if people in the church aren't growing, then the church isn't growing. And then what the people in the church say, well, the, you know, the church isn't growing because, you know, you know, the pastor, blah, 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 and, you know, he's responsible, and I am responsible. That's why we're in a series called Grow, because it's time for you to grow, and this pastor is telling you it's time for you to grow. Can I hear a good amen today? Because that's part of my job is not just to see you where you are, but to help you get to where God wants you to be. But in that gap, there has to be growth, right? So are you growing? Are you getting better? Or are you just maintaining? Are you just maintaining? Are you addressing the issues that have held you back in the past? But thank God there's grace to be able to grow if you'll put your trust and your expectation in the Lord. You know, things really begin to shift in your life when you start to realize that God's will is better than your own will. When you really start to realize that his ways are better than your ways or my ways. When you really understand that his his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, then what happens is guess what? You find out his results are better than any results you could ever achieve in any area of your life. You know, thank God it only took me 19 years to realize that. And then the shift happens because I wrecked my life till I was 19. I'm so thankful for God's grace. I am so thankful that it didn't go on past 19 years. But for some people, it goes on and on and on because they continue to do things by their will, their way, and their thoughts because they think that that's how they're going to achieve the ultimate results. Actually, what grace really is, is grace does for you what you cannot do for yourself. And God gives grace as a benefit to you. And it's not just a saving grace. It's a sustaining grace that helps you and empowers you to be what God has called you to be. God always gives you the power to be what he has called you to be. So God gives us grace to grow. If you're thankful for grace, give the Lord a good round of applause today. I think it's appropriate to ask this question. You know, when I do series, I always ask, why is this important? What are people going to get out of this? Lord, what are you trying to say? But this is a question that I ask myself because I think sometimes we can think this way. What happens when we refuse to grow? What happens, right? Some people may think, well, why does it matter if I'm growing or not? Does anybody really care? Will anybody really know? Actually, number one, God will know. But number two, 
you will know as well. And you know, there's some indicators in your life that are showing up because of lack of growth. And one of those is you are not experiencing victory. You are not experiencing the victory that God has for you. As a matter of fact, people that are not growing are still overwhelmed in the same areas that they have been called to overcome. I'm going to say that again. See, what happens is when you don't grow, you are, you are being overwhelmed. Pastor Phil, I am so overwhelmed. Well, you shouldn't be anymore. You should be overcoming. But the reality is, is the reason why you're not overcoming is because you are not growing. So you are still overwhelming. You're still being overwhelmed. You know, it is possible that many of us here are in the year 2023. We're living in that, but others, you're still in 2022. You're still in 2021 because you are just continually reliving the same year over and over again. Same over. I'm telling you today, I'm going to speak from 30 years of pastoring people. I was with youth for 20 years. I've talked to kids every week that have the same problem every single week. We prayed, we encouraged them. Then you know what I started to do? I got real smart. After the second time, I started giving them homework and I said, I'm not praying for you anymore until you come next week with five scriptures that have to do with the problem. You need to find five promises for every problem that you have and I ain't going to pray for you anymore. So some people will continue to live the same year over and over again. And here's another indicator. Guess what? They're frustrated. I'm telling you, you need to make friends with your frustration because frustration is an indication that you need to grow. Frustration is an indication that you need to change. Everybody say change. Because the truth is you cannot have growth without change. The Bible talks to God's people about a lack of change and a lack of growth, but the Bible calls it a lack of knowledge. It says this, Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because thou has rejected knowledge. You know, notice what it says here. It doesn't say the world. God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. See, there can be this mindset that what I don't know doesn't hurt me. That doesn't fly with God because you're supposed to grow. So the scripture is very clear that the knowledge that we don't have and the, the non-growth areas of our life have the potential to stop the life that we could live. Right? And so people don't realize, guess what? When you don't grow, opportunities are lost. I've lost relationships because I didn't grow. So they didn't want to stay around me because of my immaturity, and I lost great relationships. Opportunities are lost because of lack of knowledge, lack of growth. Relationships are lost because of lack of knowledge and lack of growth. Promotions are lost because of lack of growth. And I'm going to tell you one of the biggest indicators of a lack of growth is immaturity. Sadly, many people grow older, but they never grow up. I'm not holding back in this series. Welcome to the Grow series. A lot of people are growing older, but they're not growing up. And so when a person is immature, it means that they have an undeveloped thought process. And one of the signs of an immature person is that they're always living in the moment. They're always led by their feelings. And so they're not able to see the implication and consequences of their decisions for tomorrow based on the choices that they're making today. You know, immature people, they don't care about how their life affects somebody else. Some of you have been affected by those people. 
immature people. Some of you have dated them. Oh, they were cute, but they were immature. And you got hurt. Hello, anybody here this morning? Because you looked on the outside, but you didn't realize they had nothing on the inside. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Because they were immature. They were immature. They don't care how their life affects other people. They don't, immature people don't think things through. You know, um, sometimes we don't realize how lack of growth really affects our life. You know, I had the opportunity to serve at a great church. And um, when we started there, it was about 100 teenagers. The church was about 2,000, maybe 3,000 at that time. And I served there at 11 years. The youth ministry grew to about 850 kids a week, maybe possibly sometimes 900 during the week. We did four services a week, and then I did a chapel on Mondays, speaking five times a week. Um, and so I went to the pastors. I'm like, I need help. <laughs> like I need, I can't be answering my own phone. I'm in the word. And so they got me an employee that helped me out. And, um, I was really excited because I feel like God wants me to be a discipler. That's how I disciple people is I ask them, come on, come along. We're going to meetings. I want to teach you everything that I know. I want to show you. And so I'll take them to meetings. I ask the pastors, can I take, you know, so-and-so to meetings and, and let's, let's go. When I'm going on trips, when we're going to high schools, you're coming with me because you're going to learn. That to me is what, how Jesus discipled his disciples. He said, follow me, right? And they didn't just stay at the temple. They went everywhere. He went, they went everywhere with him, right? And so so to the point that when Jesus is walking on water, Peter's like, hey, can I come there too? And Jesus is like, sure, Peter, come on, come walk on the water with me. And so I was really excited about this one employee because I felt like maybe at some point he could be a really powerful minister. But unfortunately, his maturity got the best of him. He didn't call when he was uh, out. He didn't text us. He didn't let us know. There were times where we actually spent energy trying to find him because he didn't show up for work. My church family, can I just tell you something? A no response is a response. And it's not a good look on you. I'm amazed how people just think I won't respond because I don't want to say no. Uh, But your no response is a response, and it's not a good look on you. And you know what? It's actually disrespectful when people text you and you don't text them back. I'm not holding back today. And here's the reality. Just like my friend, he was my friend, and it really broke my heart because we actually hired another person because the youth ministry was growing so much. Um, And so the same with this guy. Hey, come on. We're going to meetings. Come on. We're Well, neither one of them knew that God was going to call me out of that ministry to plant Passion Life Church. Neither one of them knew that both of them were possibly up for a promotion to take over the whole youth ministry. That at 25 years old, you could walk into an 850 member youth ministry given to you that was already built and that could be on your resume. You could literally work there for a year and go, yeah, I had a youth ministry of 850 kids, right? And you helped build, you didn't build the whole thing, but they didn't know that I was leaving. I didn't know that I was leaving until a couple months. And then our pastors blessed us and they said, we're going to bless you because we believe the God, the call of God is the call of God is on your life. And here's what they asked me. They said, who do you think we should give this to? And I thought about Canada Day doesn't call, doesn't show up. Candidate B. So I said, hey, Candidate B is, man, they're stellar. And my heart broke because when candidate A found out 
that he was not chosen and he was overlooked for a position that he could have had and he could have filled. He was full of bewilderment. He didn't understand that his immaturity cost him a great opportunity. And that's what immaturity does. It doesn't realize that the little steps that you take, not caring about other people, you know, if you can't make it to work, call them and, and tell them. Can I hear a good amen today? If you commit, if you commit to something, call and say, I can't make it. Be a person of integrity because you never know what's right around the corner, right? And so my heart broke for this person, but it, it just was a sobering moment to me. And, he, and just remember seeing his face when he knew that his friend was chosen and he wasn't. It broke my heart, but it's the reality of what happens when you don't grow. See, you don't know the opportunities that are right around the door. You don't see that, and God doesn't allow you to see it. That's why he says you have to be faithful in the little, and then he will make you ruler over much. But you don't see much a lot. All as you see is the little, and little is tough because when you have a lot, momentum kicks in, right, and it's exciting. But little, when you have to get up and you have to do something small, it's not easy. But God watches what we do in the little. And if we grow in the little, how you handle little will be how you handle much. But that's the power of growth. Can I hear a good amen today? And I want you to grow, but God wants us to grow up and there's grace for it today. But you know what? You have to receive grace. The Bible says that you and I are saved by grace through faith. Grace is a benefit that God gives all of humanity. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But the Bible says that it is undeserved. It is unmerited favor that he gives to you. And faith takes of that and says, I receive it. But here's the reality of grace. It has to be received. What do you mean? A person has to acknowledge, I need grace. I cannot make it by myself. But pride won't receive grace. And that's why many people, when they go to God, they find that God is opposing them. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to what? The humble, the humble. A humble person is a person that acknowledges their need. A humble person is not a person that walks around and pretends, right, that they have it all together. I've heard people say, you know, fake it till you make it. No, don't fake it till you make it. Faith it till you make it. Can I hear a good amen today? You faith it. But... The reality of it is, is that I, I, I don't like talking with people who I feel like they just think they have everything all together. You know what? Then you don't need grace. And the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Watch. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that God may exalt you. Right? So God's saying, I want to be the one that exalts you. I want to be the one that promotes you. But here's how it's going to happen. It's going to happen by my grace. But a, a proud person won't receive grace. You know, let me say it this way. A prideful person will actually resist God because they say that they don't need him. But a humble person will admit that they need to grow. And the, the word resist actually means stands against. That God stands against prideful people. Well, Pastor Phil, that sounds mean. Well, let me say it to you again this way. Prideful people resist God. So they are resisting the free gift. Why? Because they think that they can do it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you have tried to change and try to grow in areas, and you have been frustrated, and you've quitted. Why? Because you need grace. 
Because grace can change what you can't change. Come on, somebody. That's what we need. We need his grace. I know I've been there. I've tried to change attitudes, habits in my life, and I got so frustrated wanting to give up on God. But then I found out about God's grace, how it not only saves us, but it will empower me to grow and have the change that I need to change. And so grace is received at your salvation, but it also sustains us. And Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3.18, he tells us we've got to grow in grace. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't grow in grace unless you grow in the knowledge of God. Because when you grow in the knowledge of God, he will show you how you can grow in grace. Because grace was his idea to begin with. Peter also wrote something. He says, grace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. So there is a possibility for you to have grace being multiplied to you, but you're not going to know it and you will perish for a lack of knowledge. But when you understand and you get in God's word, you can understand how grace could have a multiplying effect in your life. Just like the loaves and the fishes, when they put them in Jesus's hand and he looked at God and he said, I thank you. That word there in the Greek is literally thanksgiving, but it's also translated grace. He spoke grace race over five loaves and two fishes, something small. Guess what? When they started to distribute it, it was multiplied because grace is a multiplier, but you're not going to know that unless you humble yourself and say, God, I need to know more about you and I need to know more about your grace. It's amazing. God wants us to grow, but he wants us to grow up spiritually. Phil, why spiritually? because you are a spirit. You're actually a spirit first. You live in a body and you have a soul. You have a soul and you live in a body. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. But the real you is your spirit. Your body may be Hispanic. I'm Italian, Polish, and Puerto Rican. That's my body. But my spirit is just like Christ. And it's funny how the Bible says that we are actually not even to look at each other after the flesh. And that's what we do. That's where all this racism and stuff comes in, people. Why? In the church, we shouldn't even be looking at each other after the flesh. Because you're a spirit. And here's the cool thing. When you grow spiritually, it benefits every other area of your life. Can I hear a good amen today? So if you will grow spiritually, you will grow emotionally. If you grow spiritually, you will grow mentally. And this will happen by God's grace. Now, listen, God will give you his grace but he will not do it for you. You've got to make a decision to receive that grace. Ephesians chapter four, verse 14. Are you glad you came to church today? It says, we are not meant to remain as children. One translation says, infants at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching and the jockeying of men who are expert in the craft presentation of lies, but we are meant to hold firmly. Somebody say, hold firmly. Hold firmly to the truth in love and to grow up in every way into Christ. One translation says you cannot be or it says we are not to remain as infants. Let's talk about babies for a minute. They're the cutest little things. They are so amazing until they make a mess on you, until they throw up on you, until you have to clean their diaper. Come on, somebody. 
because babies are messy. Now, if a baby doesn't grow up, it's not cute anymore. Come on, how many of you ladies have actually dated a man-child? Have you ever heard that word before? Come on. And it's, it's a proven fact that women actually mature more. Yeah, and they mature faster than men. My wife is 10 years younger, but she's 20 years older than me in intelligence. Come on, somebody. She didn't marry no fool. <laughs> Babies are cute. But when they grow up, they're no longer cute if they're still making a mess. And, you know... After pastoring for 30 years, I, I get involved in people's messes because there are people that are full-blown adults, but they're still making messes in their finances. They're still making messes in their jobs. They're still making messes in their marriages. And let me tell you something else about babies. Babies are really fussy. They're cute, but they're selfish. Your infant didn't care about your sleep. Did they? When they were crying, yeah! and you're like, shut up, I need to go to work tomorrow. They're like, yeah! they don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about your clothes. They don't care where you have to be at a certain time. My son would not go to sleep. And I understand because he's part genius. I get it. Putting it in a crib, he's like, man, I ain't going to be in no prison. I want out of here. He literally jumped over the bars, right? He didn't care about us. Like, hey, we, we need to work. Somebody's got to bring home the bread. We need sleep. They don't care because they're babies. They're infants. You know, one of the indicators of childlike behavior from the scripture that we read, it says that they believe everything they hear. So, People that are immature and infants, according to the Bible, they're just not stable because they hear something on the news, they hear something in culture, and they're constantly being blown away by everything. It's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of infancy. It's also a sign that you need to grow. See, a sign of maturity is when you hold firm to the truth. Listen, no matter how you feel at any time, that's maturity. You know, mature people don't rely on motivation. They actually rely on discipline. I'm going to tell you something. Motivation is totally overrated because you get dependent on your feeling and you get dependent on being motivated. How can you be motivated in little? You know how you get motivated in little is you know that God keeps his promises that if you're faithful in the little, he will make you ruler over much. But I'll tell you what, there's not a lot of motivation when there's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of motivation when things aren't moving, and that's when you have to be faithful. But if you're just going to rely on your feelings and motivation, you're only going to get a little bit done. So guess what happens? When there's no motivation, discipline should kick in, and you're going to do it whether you feel like it or not. Can I hear a good amen today? Welcome to the growth series. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. It's time to grow outside of the way you feel. Well, I just feel, and I just feel, and ooh, it's cold in here, and woo. <laughs> if it's cold, go put on a jacket. Problem solved. I don't even have to pray for you. Come on, somebody. And you know when I just, and I just, all right, chill out. It's time to grow up. 
right? It's time to be mature and not let your feelings control you. You control your feelings because your feelings are coming from the thoughts that you think. And if you can change your thoughts, you can change your feelings. But I'm going to tell you what, if your thoughts are always going to what your friends are saying, culture saying, and not the truth of the word of God, you're going to be going here and you're going to be going there. But if you will build your life on this truth, the Bible says, not just hear it, but actually do it. The Bible says in the midst of the storm, your house will stand. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're acting. A sign of maturity is that you hold firm. You hold firm to truth no matter how you feel. But the Bible says this. It says, grow up in every way like Christ. You know, I love that Jesus came in the flesh, not, not just because he forgave me of my sins. I'm very thankful for that. But you can actually read through the Gospels and see how Jesus acted. Why? He was the perfect example of spiritual maturity, relational maturity, emotional maturity. You can watch how he acted. You can, we can actually learn from how he dealt, how he had friendships, the things that he said. But my church family, if you're taking notes, write this down. Spiritual maturity, number one, is not automatic. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. Do you know that Jesus, when he came on the earth, he had to make a decision to grow? The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Isn't it amazing, this scripture? that he had favor on his life, but I wonder how much more you would experience favor if you grew in knowledge and you didn't act stupid. You can claim favor and act stupid, and guess what? You're not going to experience favor. But if you grow in wisdom and, and stature, so what did that mean? See, my son is growing. He is, <laughs> he's almost like six foot tall, and he's 13. Literally, two weeks ago, he was a size nine, and then now he's a size 10, almost 10 and a half. Come on, somebody. He is growing in stature. He's, he's passed my wife. The other day, he came down. I almost called the police. I'm like, who's this in my house? One day, he took a nap. He came down. He was like two inches taller. Like, what are you feeding that boy? But you know what's amazing is we don't do a lot with him. What do I mean? Listen how easy the growth process is. Yeah, he exercises, he moves, but we feed him the right stuff. And we feed him the right stuff and moving, guess what? He's growing. It's the same with you. If you'll feed on the word of God and you'll act in faith, you will watch your life just grow. It's not hard. It's not hard. But he didn't get that big eating Captain Crunch every day. We're like carnivores at our house. We're like on the lion diet, not the cat diet, the lion diet. We eat meat, right? For breakfast, he had a steak the other day. I'm like, that's my boy. And he's growing. You feed him, right? And there's movement, and you grow. Whatever you feed in your life will grow. We learned in Bible college, feed it, watch it grow. Starve it, watch it die. So whatever you feed on is going to grow, but whatever you starve in your life, it will die. But spiritual maturity is not automatic. Jesus had to grow as a young boy, right? And let me just say this. We don't grow by just wanting to grow. Pastor Phil, I really want to grow. Yeah, it has to be intentional. And not just having intentions to actually you have to grow. Growth is a byproduct of an intentional action. It's not just the result of intention. I, I really want to. Have you ever lost weight by wanting to go to the gym? Could you imagine? That would be amazing. Right? 
It's like the guy that said, yeah, I go to the gym a lot. And his wife said, you never go to the gym. He's like, yeah, well, you know, most people call their toilet John, but I just changed his name to Jim. Come on, somebody. Some of you get that on the replay. Did you ever, did you ever lose weight by watching a workout video? Have you ever lost weight by wanting to watch a workout video? Right? Now, let me ask you this. For all of you that actually have made it to the gym, I, I, I've gone to the gym. We have a gym, and I thank God the gym that we have is part of our HOA and different things like that. But going to the gym before, I couldn't go publicly in our, in our, in our old uh, city because a lot of people knew me, and I would never work out because people would say, hey, Pastor Phil, what's going on? And then I'm like, I'm trying to get into rep over here, you know, and, and you can't be rude. And, you know, it's just like, okay, I was at the gym for an hour, but we just socialized. And guess what? I lost no weight, and I built no muscles, right? But for those of us that actually go to the gym, can I ask you, have you ever gone to the gym and lost weight by watching other people work out? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And you won't grow just by coming to church. You won't grow by coming to church and just watching other people worship. Your life's not going to get blessed by watching somebody else give. Guess when you're going to grow? When you actually are willing to do it. So I think people confuse wanting and willing. You can want your whole life. You can have intention your whole life. You can be frustrated your whole life and never change. But there has to be action. You know, the Bible says that, and we're going to talk about this later, it's important for us to gather together. But you know what's interesting to me, and we're going to break this down a little bit more because you may find some of the statistics that the Bible lays out in hearing God's word is not what you thought. But let me just tell you this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it says, for indeed the gospel was preached. Is the gospel being preached to you today? Absolutely. Watch. But for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Watch. But the word which they heard did not profit them because what? It wasn't mixed with faith. Wait, I thought God's word is powerful. I thought God's word is profitable. It is. But if you don't do what this says, you won't experience the power of any promises. See, that's what changed for me in service because I was in a lot of services because my dad was a pastor. We used to be on the floor with 104 fever. I used to tell my mom, I have 104 fever. I can't go to church. She's like, that's all right. If you die, the best place to die is in church because you know what? We'll have the funeral right after. We'll get a discount from the minister and we'll have, come on, somebody. I was thinking about a discount, a free funeral. We're Christians. I was in a conversation with somebody else this week. And they were telling me about somebody that they knew that how they're not living for God because they went to church and they got nothing out of it. No, you went to church. You did nothing with it. And look at it. It says some will walk out of here today because they hear the word, but they do nothing with it. And here's the thing that gets me is that then they turn to God and say, hey, God, how come this doesn't work? No, it doesn't work because you're not working it. If you will work it, it will work, guaranteed, because the Bible says that his word never returns void. 
But you got to have faith. Faith isn't just believing. Faith is actually an action. So growth doesn't just happen automatically. Number two, growth is not comfortable. See, if you're not feeling uncomfortable regularly, it's an indication you are not growing. Do you know what I found about being comfortable? Comfortable is like a drug. It's addictive. It's so addictive. Do you know that your comfort zone is the place where your dreams will die? It's the place where your dreams will die. And for some people, their goal is comfort instead of growth. I hear people, you know, well, that just makes me feel uncomfortable. And it's almost like we fight against being uncomfortable, but that's exactly where growth happens. I'm going to tell you why it happens when you're uncomfortable. Because you've never been there before. A new season to you should feel awkward. You know why? You've never been there before. And God is into new. You know, the Bible says that every day his mercies are new every morning. They're not the same as they were yesterday. And so we like, I, I call myself, that was one of my, my, my pet peeves at youth. That was one of the names the kids always knew. I'm king of the awkward. Put me in, a, I love awkward. You know why? Because it's new. It's not the same. It's fresh. It causes me to grow. It causes me to pull. It's weird. I've never been here before. But most people are like, and guess what? You stay the same and you're frustrated. So you know what? You got to get into the awkward sometimes. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on. I'm going to give you some Bible on this. What does it feel like to walk on water for P Peter? It's awkward. It's weird. Nobody's ever done it before. But guess what? You've got to be willing to lean into awkward. You've got to be willing to lean into something that's different if you're going to experience growth. Can I hear a good amen today? So it's not comfortable. You know, but here's the thing about our comfort zone. It's the place where we're in total control. We love our comfort zone because I'm in control. Well, if you're in control, God's not in control. So don't tell me God's in control and you're still in your comfort zone. No, you are still in your comfort zone because God is causing you to stretch. God is causing you to go beyond yourself and to step into what he has for you. But in order for there to be new, we've got to get rid of the old. Are you learning something today? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 says this, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So, you know, here's what happens. you got to throw off the old. The old is the enemy of the new. This is what happens with, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, is they were so bent on their traditions, they didn't even see that the one who was, that wrote the Old Testament was standing right in front of them because they were so, they were so committed to their traditions. They were so committed to the old. But you know what? The Bible says when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he makes you new on the inside. So you become new instantly. Somebody say instantly. But just because you're a new creation doesn't mean you don't have old customs that need to, we need to get rid of. But you know what? We love the old. I wonder how many of you today, don't raise your hand. I wonder how many of you today have the same PJs for the last five years. Some of them, they're real holy. Come on, they got holes in them. The other day, I, I wear a lot of the same shoes. The other one, I'm telling you, it, it's in our nature, a whole hole in the bottom of my shoe. And guess what? I'm tempted to wear it because it's comfortable. And you may go, that's weird. Look at you. You have holes. I know, but I like it, and it's comfortable to me. 
Yeah, but it's weird. Right? Old PJs, old shoes. What about old mindsets? What about old habits? What about old behaviors? You've got to break through. Number three, spiritual growth is a process. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. God makes you a new creature instantly, but maturing takes and happens gradually, dependent on how you renew your mind. We are not just spirits floating in the air without a mind. I'm a charismatic Christian, Pastor Phil, filled with the Holy Spirit. Here I come. Come on, you're not Casper the friendly ghost floating in the air. You have a body. Come on, say, I have a body. And guess what your body's going to do? Is your body going to do what your spirit tells you? No, your body's going to do what your mind tells you. And so if your mind is not renewed, you have a newness, a new creation, but you have old customs here. This is good today. I want you to grow. And I'm telling you, I don't know if I should say these things, but I'm going to say it because it's grow. I'm prepared that if people don't come back to church, if there's three people that want to grow, I'm going to be in that group because I want to grow. Because I'm not going back. I'm not. I can't go back. What are you going to go back to anyway? Partying? What are you going to go back to? The life you left? What are you going to go back to? Old mindsets. Growth happens in a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You are new. Come on, say, I am new. And God will do this by his grace, but he's not going to do it for us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says this. Work out. Oh, working out is in the Bible? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Now, notice it doesn't say working for salvation. We're not working for salvation. You can't earn your salvation. But here's what, our, here's what God wants us to do. God wants to work out what he has worked in us. That's growth. God wants to work out of you what he has worked into you. Listen, and God has worked so much into you. There's gifts in you. There's anointing in you. There's talents in you. But here's the goal, and here's God's goal. It's not supposed to stay in you because your gifts are not just for you. They're actually for other people. And when you use them for other people, you will get blessed. So we work out what God has put in. It says work out with fear and trembling. That word fear is actually a reverential fear that you value so much what God has placed in you. He's placed in you. Spiritual growth is a process. Say I'm in process. But listen, but the Bible does say your process, your progress will be seen by all. This is the goal. That people do actually look and they look at you and they say, man, you're progressing. You're growing. You know, Paul, many theologians believe that he wrote the book of Hebrews. He was talking to his people and he was holding them accountable for actually a lack of growth. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12, he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
you need someone to teach you now again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, and he is still a babe. You see, Pastor Phil, you know, I, why are you talking to me like this? I'm talking to you like this because maybe nobody in your life ever talked to you like this. And because Paul talked like this to the people that he wrote, and he says, you know, some of you, some of you should actually be teaching the word of God now. And you're not. He said, you should be teachers by now. In other words, you're holding back what God has placed in you. And guess what? You're not growing. I'm going to tell you something. When you sign up to lead, I met with somebody this week and they were going to do a life group for us when we started in September. And they said this to me, I am so excited about signing up to do this. And they said, I know this is selfish, but I'm going to grow so much. I said, actually, it's not selfish. It's actually truth. That when you sign up to lead, you have to dig. You have to read. You have to pray. Guess what? It pulls things that are in you out of you that would never come out of you unless you allowed God to put a demand on you. That's why I love what I do, because I have to dig, I have to pray, I have to live a certain way. And then when I look back, I'm like, who is this person? Guess what? I've grown. But most people, they don't want to deal with the awkward. They're too cared. You know, what do people think about me? What does God think about you? And how long are you going to let other people's opinions control your life? God has put a gift in you that needs to be used. And the Bible says that when you use it on other people, the Bible says that it will bring you before great people. He says you should be teachers by now. He's saying you should be further along. And there are some of you, you know exactly who I'm talking to. You should be further along. You should be teaching. You should be signing up to do a life group. Well, I don't have it all. I know. I don't have this whole series done at all. I have one or two messages, two ideas, but guess what? God does it every time. I start with one and then he reveals the next step. And then I start another one. He reveals the next step. And guess what? We allow him to order our steps and we get to where he wants us to be. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to take the first step. Can I hear a good amen today? Are you getting something out of today? So in our remaining time, I want to just share with you three ways we grow in grace. Number one, you're going to have to make a commitment to grow. No growth is possible without commitment. Anytime you're committed to something, you grow in that area. You know, let me ask you this. In one year from now, where will you be? Will you be plagued with the same problems? Or will you be moving forward and making progress? If you're taking notes, write down what I'm about to say. Many people don't consider the cost of being in the same place one year from now. What is it going to cost you to be the same? What are you going to lose out on because you don't grow? My church family... If I had not grown, 
I would not be standing on this stage with you today. It wasn't me that promoted myself. It was God that did it because he thought, okay, Phil, you're ready for the next step. Everybody look at me. Here's my heart for you. God had a land flowing with milk and honey for his people. And because they wouldn't grow from a slave to giant killers and the people that God wanted him to be, them to be, guess what they did? For 40 years, they walked around the same mountain for 40 years. They stopped believing what God said, so they settled, and guess what? They all died in the wilderness when they could have been in the land flowing with milk and honey if they would grow. What is it going to cost you not to grow? But it's your choice. Don't leave growth up to chance. It has to be a choice. But see, where you will be in one year will be determined by what's most important to you, what you're pursuing in life. Some of you are just pursuing more sleep. What are you chasing after? That's where you'll be. Listen, Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this in the message. When you come looking for me, you will find me. But yes, when you get serious, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. How many of you know God is not in the disappointing business? Now, that doesn't mean he's going to give you whatever you want, but it just means that if you seek him and have faith according to his promises, guess what? You're going to live a joyful life, but it takes action. My church family, James, wrote, faith without works is dead. See, some of you say you have faith, but it hasn't changed any of your actions. It's a good golf clap. I know, but you're L.A. Charger fan, so. You say you have faith, but if your faith doesn't change your actions, it's actually no faith at all. It's dead. And here's the thing about that. You can only please God with faith, not need faith. It is impossible to please God. You know what's even more crazy about that is that by his grace, when you receive Jesus, you actually already have a measure of faith, but it ain't going to do anything until you do something with it. It's an action. It's an action. So we got to make a commitment to grow, and then we must build in spiritual habits. Listen, you've got to make your habits, because guess what? Once you make your habits, your habits will make you. John 13, 17, now that you know this truth, how happy you will be if you put it into practice. My church family, that's the, that's the action. Practice will cause you to redefine your priorities and your passions. You know, passion comes from purpose. But here's what I found. Proper practice always produces progress. I want to say that again. Proper practice always produces progress. So what disciplines do you need to have? Feeding on God's word, feeding that inner strength, prayer. Listen, you know really what prayer is? Prayer is just really praying God's promises back to him. That's a spiritual discipline. But watch this. If you're not in God's word, which are God's promises, how can you pray God's promises back to them if you don't know them? 
Because God, when we pray his word, which is his will, that's when prayers get answered. Another spiritual discipline. What about praise? Lifting up Jesus. Pastor Phil, it's hard. Sometimes I don't feel like it. I know that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Because you do it sacrificially. Can I hear a good amen? What about serving others? You know, you will never grow if you don't serve. And if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. I am serving you today. You know what pastor means? It means servant. That's what it means. I know there's things that come with that, but I am here to serve. That's how I look at it. When I get up here, I don't look like, man, I hope today's powerful. I just look at it. I'm here to serve God's people. I'm here to minister to you. And I hope that when I share God's word, somehow it'll wash you on the inside out and produce what God wants you to produce. But I am here to serve you today. And see, you all, some people want to grow, but they don't want to serve. And you will never grow without serving. I'm going to tell you why. Because God is a servant himself. We serve a serving Savior who gave his life on the cross for us, who got down and washed his disciples' feet. By He served humanity by forgiving them of their sins. He served humanity by healing their diseases. We have a servant God. So when you serve, you take on the very character of God. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not holding back. You know, I have a friend in this area, no longer lives here. He used to do um, inflatables. And there was a larger church that he took inflatables to do. And he said, you know, Phil, they were asking me if I could bring my staff to run the inflatables because the church, as large as it is, as large as it is, they have nobody to serve the kids when the kids want to go on the inflatables because everybody's too busy with their own life. Because everybody's too busy. We got stuff going on that were, they were too busy. And it's, it's a larger church. And I'm going to tell you something. I get it. I, I, love, I love California. I love the beach. I, I love it. But I'll tell you what, you can love all that stuff and never grow and never become what God has called you to be. Because you won't give your time and you won't serve him. Can I hear a good amen today? Right? And so 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards. Everybody say stewards. Stewards of God's grace in various forms. So the gift that I have, God has given to me to serve you. Now, I'm not the owner of the gift. God is the owner, but he's given me that gift to manage. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 says this. Don't neglect the gift that's inside of you. Give yourself wholly to it. And when you do, watch this, your progress will be viewed to all. God says when you begin to develop that gift, people are going to come and say, wow, man, you're moving forward. You're growing, serving others. What about giving? That's a spiritual habit. How is your giving? Do you give? Has your giving grown? I'm talking about financial giving. See, giving is a tangible expression of your love. It releases the grace of God. Oh, Pastor Phil, I, you know, I give my time. Yeah, I know. We're supposed to give our time, treasure, and talent. But I think we tell God that, I give my time. We tell God that, but we would never tell our spouse that on the anniversary. 
right? Can you imagine going to your spouse and like, hey, we're going to anniversary. And, and she's like, oh, what did you get? Well, I got you time. I've been here 15 years. Tell your 11-year-old at their birthday party, happy birthday, dad, what'd you get me? I got you time. I've been your dad for 11 years. It's only been by the grace of God. Time is important, but you know, you said that to your wife, she's going to say, you better go get me something. I thought I'd hear a better amen from the ladies, but you ain't saying nothing this morning. Come on, ladies, where are you at? Come on, you know he's, pay, you know he's working to pay off the mortgage, but he's also working to pay for you. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? And we do that with God. Here's my time. But he wants your treasure because that's what is connected to your heart. And it's a tangible expression of your love. We do that in relationships, but it also releases the grace of God. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse seven says, but since you excel in everything in faith and in speech and knowledge in complete earnest, he says, and in love, we have kindled love. We've kindled in you. Listen to this. See that you excel in the grace of giving and giving is by grace. When you realize that the blessings of God come on your life by grace, you give grace. I'm always amazed at the people who I know, who I counsel, who, man, they need a lot of grace. And they're thankful for God's grace, but they won't give it away to anybody else. It's not meant to just come to you. It's actually meant to go through you to other people. Here's where we close. Number three, we grow spiritually when we accept help from God's people. Romans chapter 1 verse 12 says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in faith but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Paul, as the pastor, apostle, was telling his congregation, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to serve you. But I'm going to tell you what Paul said to his congregation. I'm here to encourage you, but I'm also here to get encouraged. You came here to get encouraged, but you know what? If you'll encourage other people, and we're going to talk about this because some people think that the church is this. We come, we sit, amen, and then we leave, and that's church. Actually, church is a body, and it's a people, and we are to come together. And when we come together, the Bible says one of the things that should be the highlight of today is that even when you leave and when you come, you're encouraging each other. Hey, man, you look good today. Did you have a good week? You know, hey. Martha, I was praying for you this week. Can you imagine if we have a church like that and that's what we're going to grow to? I'm going to tell you there's going to be a line out this door because every single person needs encouragement. You need it and I need it. But sometimes we're waiting for somebody else to give it because we don't understand what you make happen for other people. God will make happen for you. So if you come in with who can I encourage today, watch you leave with 50 different encouragements from other people. Can I hear a good amen today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.